Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Awake to Oneness Radio. It's just spinning. Everything is spinning. Might have to log out and log back in. This is a new one. <laughs> okay, let's. We might have to, might have to um, actually log out off of this and log back in and have Mary try calling back in. I am so sorry for the technical dif- difficulties. Uh, the computer is caught in a loop. All right, I am gonna have to log off and log back in. Uh, let me see. Technical helps. Let's try to see if we can get someone on the Blog Talk Radio help desk. I was just talking to Mary about how I do this show by myself. Um, And there are no... hmm, Let's see. Mary, if you can hear me, could you just try to call, hang up and call back in? Um, all I'm getting is absolutely nothing. I'm going to have to, I don't know (laughs) what to do here for this because this has never happened before. And, um, just, I'm losing, I'm not getting anything. I'm clicking and everything's spinning and I don't know if I should log off myself, try to log back in, reboot the computer. I honestly, I don't know what to do at this point. Um, I'm going to try, I don't know. Uh, Totally, the computer is just spinning. I know Mary's on, had Mary on, and... uh, now, uh, only thing, I don't want to disconnect because I don't know if I can restart the show if I disconnect, but I really don't know what to do. I'm going to put myself on mute for a minute and see if I can do something here. Okay. This is totally insane. only thing I can try is bring it up in a different window.
Hello. Uh, I had to reboot my computer. I am going to try to bring on Mary. Hold on. Mary, okay. Mary, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Okay. Uh, I had to, my computer totally froze, and I had to reboot it. I am so sorry. <laughs> the, the weird thing, this has never happened before. And um, you and I, before the show started, we were talking about how I I do everything. I, I'm a one-woman show. But the things yeah. that have been happening lately, this has never happened before. All I did, I knew you were there. I just had to bring you on, and I quit uh, the mic icon to bring you on and all it, the computer just you know how the computer just spins and spins yep, 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 and yep. spins no matter what I tried to do it just kept spinning and spinning Aww. and spinning so then I had to I said I had to reboot my computer and say let me see if I if I can reboot it and bring you back but you're here <laughs> I'm here ah <sighs> Here we are. Well, welcome. We're here. We're here. We're here. And there's actually a caller on, but maybe they're just listening. They don't have a question mark by their their name. But I haven't really gotten a chance to let you introduce yourself to the audience, and that's that's. That comes first. So, Mary, um, as I had said before, we were so rudely interrupted by the computer. I said, you are the author of an award-winning book. Um, please tell us um, your journey, your story. Please share that with the listeners. If we have any okay. live listeners, it's okay. We still have, It's a podcast, so <laughs> it's all good. Yeah. Okay. All right, well, well, let me just say thank you so much um, for uh, letting me be on your show, and I'm really happy to be part of this, and I thank you for all of the work that you do and the connections oh, that you make possible for all of us. As we were saying earlier, your show serves a very important purpose, so I'm very happy to be part of this. Thank you. Thank you, and I'm so happy. I'm so happy you reached out to me, um, and I'm so honored to have you. I really am. Um, <laughs> it, uh, it's a blessing. I feel honored for, by just, you know, spirit inspired me to do this show, and I just am being obedient to following spirit's guide guidance. That's right so, on. Yeah. Right on. So <laughs> tell us, okay. tell us your journey, and, and tell us in yeah. as much detail as you'd like to share with us. Sure. Um, well, the book that you mentioned is called Unwitting Mystic, and it is essentially the story of how I went from being uh, an executive in Washington, D.C., to living mostly a monastic life in a Buddhist nunnery at the foothills of the Himalayan mountains in India. And uh, that particular journey to India started about, um, well, ultimately it all started about 15 and a half years ago when I began hearing a voice. And this voice told me that I was supposed to be doing something very important and at the time, I was traipsing around the country directing clinical research programs in respiratory medicine. And so I thought I was already doing something very important, and I tried to ignore that voice. Uh, uh-huh. But it just kept getting more persistent and more pronounced. And um, eventually, after six months of that, I knew that I was going to have to figure out what was happening here. And so I flew to Little Rock, Arkansas, to see a friend of mine who's a psychotherapist, and uh, she specializes in near-death experience. She, at the time, was teaching medical students about uh, spiritual phenomenology in their, in their patients and uh, in the incidents of illness and death and surgery and such. And so I knew that she would probably be able to help me sort of dive into something a little unusual. And so we underwent, uh, she, she did a hypnosis session with me that weekend and it turned out to be this really profound more than seven hours of me being in divine realms with um, encounters with uh, Jesus at his moment of crucifixion and um, me meeting my soul group and uh, having a very big weighty meeting about the conflict nature of our world and all of these things that I had absolutely no idea about because I have no religious background whatsoever. I've never read the Bible. I've never studied any kind of religious text. I've never been a seeker. I've never had a lot of questions. So it was a weekend that really just turned my world completely upside down. 
And uh, because I was living in Washington, D.C. at that time, what I was learning um, through that event and the subsequent events that happened, because after that weekend I began to have these metaphysical events, excuse me, spontaneously. And so all of these things that I was learning from divine beings and what we might consider God or angels or Jesus, Buddha eventually, et cetera, they were all very uh, rich in love and understanding and wisdom instantly in these moments. And then I would come out of them into this crazy world in Washington, D.C. and other places, and my worlds were just not matching. And so it was getting to be way too much for me to hold. And I didn't know how to talk about what was happening. I didn't know what to do with what was happening. So I began to seek help everywhere I went um, around the world and around the, the country here in the U.S. I saw psychotherapists and shamans and regular doctors and acupuncturists and Reiki practitioners and you name it, I tried to get help. And no one could help me figure out what was happening. And uh, I just kept getting all these failures, one right after the other after the other, while I was also still trying to continue to do my very big life in Washington and eventually in Africa as well. And so eventually, uh, starting around 2009, all of the sort of successes and normalcies of my life just began to fall apart one by one by one. My job, my home, my finances, my relationships, my family and friends' relationships. And uh, just in the course of a couple of years, suddenly I found myself without any sense of normalcy whatsoever. And I had been to that point extremely successful and uh, very I could open doors very easily. And at this point, I couldn't open any doors at all, no matter how hard I tried. And at the same time, all of this spiritual stuff was really pushing much harder and higher. And uh, so I, I couldn't figure out what to do with the spiritual stuff, and I couldn't figure out what to do with my normal life. And so I just made a decision in my uh, state of massive despair that what must be happening was that this was all a sign that it was time for me to leave this earthly world and do my work from the divine realms. Now, that was nothing at all that I had been shown. It was just simply the decision that I made um, in my massive state of despair. So on March 23, 2011, I took a very carefully timed out and arranged combination of 97 prescription pain and sleeping pills with three glasses of wine. And then I lay down and I said my prayers and I just thought that that was it. And then two days later, I just woke up. I woke up all by myself. I woke up very sick and without any any ability to move, uh, to uh, operate my motor skills. But miraculously, I was alive. And so it was that um, miracle, surviving that uh, suicide mm-hmm. attempt, that uh-huh. really uh, put me in a in a supreme state of surrender because I realized when I woke up that there was just nothing more I could do. I I had tried everything, and there was clearly something greater than me that was uh-huh. in charge of what was happening. And so I just stopped. I stopped trying to figure things out. I stopped trying to plan. I stopped trying to fix. And I literally just sat on the end of my couch numb and I cried when I needed to cry and I just you know sort of said my prayers to God like whatever you need me to do you're going to have to show me because I can't figure it out and then slowly just you know literally within days on its own all of these doors just started opening so easily and one of the first doors led me to a psychotherapist who was absolutely perfect in working with me. And then she happened to have trained with um, a psychologist whose specialty was the field of consciousness. And Uh so then I started working with both of them. And then it was he, actually, the the, the psychotherapist whose specialty was consciousness, who helped me understand what was happening to me, that uh, I'm not crazy like I thought I was. I just simply have a really profound gift of insight And as he put it, you know, most people will study and meditate and train to try to go from A to B to C to get to the Z of spiritual wisdom. But I Uh just happened to jump from A to Z. And uh, the problem is that Z has no context 
for me because I don't have any religious background. So for me, it was the first moment of understanding what was happening in my life. And uh, given that knowledge, he and um, the psychotherapist that I was working with began to um, try to find community for me because they knew that I needed to get into a place where I could just focus on my metaphysical abilities and then see what kind of things came up naturally for me, leading me in the right direction. And we Uh tried a lot of different doors, and the ones that opened easily were leading me to the Buddhist nunnery in India. And so uh, the suicide attempt was in March, and by October I was on a plane going to... um, with Tosamling Nunnery in India. Mhm. Okay. Wow. Amazing too. And uh, I didn't realize that was 2011 because uh, that was a, a a very challenging year for me. Um, I actually it was December of 2011. I don't know if you were aware are aware of it, but I also I don't know the what tickles me is you know the exact number of pills you took. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> but <laughs> I tried to take my life in December of 2011 when doctors had had told me um, my son wasn't gonna make it. They they were asking me he had been on life support, but at that time he had been on life support for about five weeks. And um, they were asking me to take him off of life support, and they did not think he was going to live. I did not give them permission to take him off life support. I decided I was not going to experience, I was not going to live through that experience. I was already spiritual at the time. Yeah, you know, I always I already knew that we were all one. I had already awakened to the truth of oneness. I knew that we are divine light, we're divine spirit. I know that this um, reality is not all there is. So kind of like what you said, you were ready to leave this experience. I said I I was ready to leave this experience because I did not want that experience of losing my son. And Mm -hmm. um, I took... uh, a bottle of over-the-counter sleeping pills and some Tylenol. So I, d- I don't know how many pills. And I was out for two days, <laughs> but I was in a hospital. <laughs> so I was in the hospital waiting room. And, oh. the, yeah, the first time I woke up, I remember being, like, in the ER, and then I was out again. And then I remember being, the second time I woke up, um, just opened my eyes, I was, I think, like, in an ICU unit, um, mm. and so, but I was I was out for two days, and I don't have any recollection of what where my spirit went. You know what, my, you know, because I know that we have uh, a lot of people can come back with um, near death experiences. I I wish I had one, <laughs> but I, I one that I can remember, and um, but I I did wake up, and um, my first thoughts when I woke up is I couldn't believe I was still here. I like wait mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm not I shouldn't be here. But the the miracle is my son um pulled himself off of life support. I mean he took he took himself off of life support and he was fine. The doctors were stunned. One doctor said to me it was like he was not even sick. It was a true miracle. So um we went home that December. I, I always say the hospital was on um, 34th Street in Philadelphia, and it was Christmas time. And I say, I truly experienced a true miracle on 34th Street uh, at Christmas, Christmas, yes. So we both went home the day before New Year's, and I'll never forget, you know, just being, I was just so thankful that I was bringing my son home. Um, I, that, I knew I had experienced a true miracle, and mm. I was so thankful. I promised God and myself and my higher self I would never, you know, try to take my life again, and I would never forget that blessing, that miracle. I would never stop being thankful for just be, being able to bring my, home, my son home that New Year's um, of 2011. And uh, he did pass, and he did make his transition in 2014. 
And But when he did, I was at peace. I understood, you know, and I do believe there is no death. There is only eternal life. And his higher self, his soul self, made the decision. And I believe that he and I had um, made the decision to go through what we went through before my birth. So um, one of the books that helped me get through, I was reading, was um, Your Soul's Gift and Your Soul's Plan. But um, so I, you, when I read that, when I, <laughs> I found out that you went through, a, you know, you and I had that same experience of trying to take our lives and, and not being successful, <laughs> we're here for a reason. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So, That's right. So you know, true. it's interesting. Um, I had an interview back in March with Buddha at the gas pump, and um, the host uh-huh. of that show, Rick Archer, originally very early in the um, interview, he wanted to talk to talk a lot about the suicide attempt, and he uh-huh. he approached it with kind of a little bit of a um, anger about um, people who attempt to take their life, but it's kind of a selfish thing and. You know, he was very clear on his feelings, which I appreciated. Uh-huh. And right. uh, after that show, the show was nearly two hours, and after that show I got so many emails from psychologists and academics and parents of people who had, whose children had committed suicide or people who they themselves had um, tried and failed, et cetera, and people who just really suffer from severe depression within the spiritual community. And it was such an interesting um, reaction to Rick's very openly stating his frustration in Uh uh, not having a lot of compassion with um, the issue of people that attempt suicide. And it was really such a fascinating discussion that we had because, um, you know, it was very clear that there are many, many, many people in the spiritual community that really start to struggle as they begin to wake up and now their world is a little untethered and things aren't making sense and they can't find a way to relate or feel normal. And so it's not unusual that there's a lot of discussion or angst about um, suicide in the spiritual community. And, boy, was it a hot-button issue um, Mm. when I got off the show. And then I literally had more than 100 emails from people. Wow. And overwhelmingly, People saying, you know, I thank you for standing up to um, Rick's comments. And but you know, at the same time, I totally understand why Rick feels the way that he does. But it is a sense of loss for the people that are left behind. And he had had three three friends who committed suicide, and his mother attempted suicide. And so he uh-huh. had just a, a lot of, I think, resentment for people abandoning um, course, if you will. And and his take on it was, you know, just get some help, and then, you know, it's probably just a minor thing, not a minor thing, but a a temporary thing that you can get through. But as I was Mm. explaining to him, you know, I sought help again and again and again and again and again, and no one could help me. And so sometimes, uh, you know, it is obviously a last-ditch effort to end the suffering, and obviously it's not one that we all um, wish for, but, you know... uh, it's a legitimate issue that we need to talk about probably more in the spiritual community and not just have a one-sided blanket statement of it shouldn't happen or it's okay if it does. It's such an interesting issue to me, I think. Extremely. Um, I did listen to the interview um, with you and Rick. Um, I've communicated with Rick via email. Um, My first three shows, was about suicide. The title of my first three shows was, was Suicide from a Spiritual pr- Perspective. I had the author of Your Soul's Plan and Your Soul's Gift as my first guest because those are the books, those are the two books I was reading um, the month um, my son was on life support in uh, 2014 when he did make his transition. Um, my, I, I did listen to to Rick's uh, take on it, and I understand how people feel that way. For me, um, honestly, especially since 2011, since going through that miracle, and then eventually three years later losing my only son, I can tell you from my from my perspective, 
it, it's it's all spirit. It's a, from a, my, I live my life from a completely spiritual perspective, meaning mm-hmm. um, if someone decides to take their own life, it's it's their soul. Like you and I tried, and we're still here. Okay, and other people have tried, right. and they're still my here. My soul is having so, none of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It is your soul. It's your higher self has the final say. It doesn't matter what yeah. you do. <laughs> if your higher self says no, you have more work to do here. You're staying here. You're gonna stay here. So those people who succeeded suicide, it was their it's their higher self's um, decision for them to go. My son left his. Um, body at 29 years old that's a very young age it was his higher self decision and his higher self planned that i know before he was even born um mm-hmm. a lot of times the high, you know souls plan to be here two years three years a few months they have their reasoning a higher self a soul self that knows all knows all the lifetimes we've lived and knows why we've we're coming back into this incarnation. It's up to the higher self, and we cannot judge why um, that soul decided to make that decision. So I, mm-hmm. I look at every life as spiritual first because the, the incarnation is very fleeting and very temporary, and they're going to have hundreds of incarnations. So mm-hmm. it's it, I think it's all fun. So that's why my first show was with Robert, um, and it was about um, suicide from a spiritual perspective. I love what Robert said during that show. He says, in society, our society, we frown upon people who take a gun to their head and shoot themselves and get it over with quickly. But what about people who smoke two packs of cigarettes a day are you know are doing things they know are not healthy for themselves but they're so they're killing themselves slowly he said that's just it's every death is a suicide and he, you know every every death is a suicide from the perspective that the soul decides it's time for you to go home or it's time for you to, you know it's time for you to leave this existence and it's a soul at a soul level decision so every death is a suicide yeah you know i'll tell you how i know that our soul is uh our higher self is in charge because if it was me that was in charge and not my higher self i would have been an opera singer or a backup dancer for michael jackson so (laughs) this is how i know that it was not me who's in charge so i now walk around talking about religion and spirituality and i just thought that was the most uncool thing ever when i was growing up so i know that it's not me that's in charge Right, right. And I, I always, for me, I just put it in my, I don't know what my higher self has planned for me. I just kind of go with the guidance, you know, just one mm-hmm. step at a time. And Well, uh, and that's been but, the, essentially after I moved to India, that mm-hmm. was the entire um, course of my life because I had to sit in a state of full surrender, and mm-hmm. uh, which is actually a, and also a very common topic in a lot of the talks, people have a, a mm-hmm. lot of questions to get into a state of surrender. But, you know, so, there, you know, things come to me in my metaphysical experiences. They come to me in a very profound way. It is always, almost always related to the origins of divine truth. So, for mm-hmm. example, in the first experience of, of Jesus on the cross, it was in that moment I was given sight into what was happening in our world for, for um, untold millennia before that moment, and mm-hmm. then what was happening in the world everywhere around that moment, and then what happened since to, to current day. So it was me um, understanding the world before Christianity with the birth of Christianity and then the evolution of Christianity from the perspective of Christ. And in all of my events, uh, well, I would say 90% of my events, it is that same kind of going to the origin point through the embodiment of the origin experience. So uh-huh. like into the mind of Buddha at his first moment of enlightenment. So it is the foundation of Buddhism from the vantage point of Buddha. And uh-huh. the origins of the universe, the origins of fear, the origins of thought, etc. But the reason why I'm able to get all of that very 
fundamental core uh, origin information is because I have no filter. I don't have and because I don't have any religious background. And so mm. I have no expectations about what kind of information should come to me, what form it needs to come in, who it should come from, how it's all connected, none of that. And so right. I, I, can re- I must remain a clean and clear vessel to and through which information should come. And to do mm-hmm. that, I have to stay in this full state of surrender and just mm-hmm. trust the process enormously because every time I try to sort of step in a little bit out of my old habits and conditioning and try to take a little charge, nothing works. It's so evident to me. And so I've had to really, really practice the art of surrender in it, and ultimately it really pays off. Right. right. Very interesting, very interesting. Um, I had a religious upbringing but not strict. Uh, I was sent to Catholic school just for a better education, Um, never became a Catholic. Um, My mom became Episcopalian and I was baptized Episcopalian. But I say that because um, even though I was brought up with some religious upbringing, I... It did not, it never um, rang true to me. It never, it never resonated with me, what I was being taught, <laughs> you know, as a young child. But my father mm-hmm. said I was brought up in a very strict um, home um, where my father said that children are to be seen and not heard. So we mm-hmm. weren't, my parents weren't religiously strict. They only sent us to Catholic school for a better education, but um, they, my parent, my father was strict on us not speaking. Uh, you know, he would say that at the dinner table, children are to be seen and not heard. So, and, mm-hmm. and I'm in church, and I'm thinking this doesn't make any sense. I'm like, <laughs> you know, what you're telling me does not fly at all with me, and I can't even question you on it. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, uh, it's interesting um, that I've always, you know, even as a small child, sought out truth and from a very young age started reading and studying metaphysical books. But it was quantum physics. That, it was a quantum physics film that really awoken me to the truth of oneness, that all, we're you know, all connected, we're all one. And that that was my awakening, true awakening. Um, it wasn't a mystical experience, but it was something inner, you know, something inside of me woke up. My soul woke mm. up and like, yeah, this is, we're really all connected. We're really all one. And mm-hmm. that made a big difference for me. And I did try to share it with others at the time. That was in 2007. And I could tell, you know, it would frustrate me that nobody was understanding what I was talking about. It's like, okay, well, you know, then as I grew, it's like, it's okay. They are where they are and no judgment because that's a big part of, I believe, for me, for my spiritual growth is not to judge others regardless of what their belief, what their religion, you know, if you know, whatever they're attached to is if they're attached to this physical world, whatever their attachments are, I'm not, it's not my place to judge that because truly mm-hmm. that other is just another aspect of myself. So mm-hmm. that I look at everyone as just a mirror, just a reflection. Mm-hmm. This outer world is just a reflection. So I, mm-hmm. I keep that at the fore. Like I said, for me, everything I keep at the forefront of of my head as to what I believe, what resonates to me as true. And what resonates mm-hmm. to me as true is this outer world is an illusion of my own creation. So surrender, mm-hmm. that's what I, I knew there was, <laughs> you were speaking about surrender. And surrender for me is loving and embracing this now moment because all there is is the now. And what's mm-hmm. happening in this now moment is exactly what's supposed to happen in this now moment. And to push against it, to fight against it, um, to say I don't want it to be the way it is, to me is n- not surrender. Surrendering for me is surrendering to what is. But the word surrender, I, I prefer for me, I like to use the word embrace. 
embrace mm-hmm. and love what is. That's what surrender you, means for, for me. You know, I'm getting ready to, um, I start my summer tour next uh-huh. Tuesday. Um, on this tour specifically, I'm going to talk about what love actually is. And uh-huh. um, so, and it, and it has to do with what you're saying about surrender and embrace. Um you know, we, we talk a lot about love. I mean, you, you can turn anywhere and everybody talks about love, 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 but nobody actually talks about what love actually is. Uh-huh. And so this is going to be the entire focus of my tour this year, and I'm going to be using a, an actual metaphysical event um, to talk about this. But the basis of love from which we originate, and I don't mean I'm not talking about love like I love ice cream or um, preference or lust or that sort of adoration, or that sort of thing. I'm talking about the life force that we are, that which gives us our life and all life. And from a metaphysical uh, viewpoint, I have embodied the various stages and states of love. So, for example, the origin, the, the state of pure love before it actually exists. So it is love in its potential to exist, and, uh, or, or love in the state of pure nothingness, if you will, and uh-huh. then love in its state of manifestation or existence, and then love in its um, state of separation from knowing itself, which is the world that we live in. And we know uh-huh. that because none of us wake up in a blissful state of embodied knowing ourselves as divine love. And uh-huh. so, uh, but the state from which we originate, that which gives us life, the qualities of that state, now many people who are very well read and know all of the sacred texts may use different words, but the qualities that I know, having been in this state many times, the uh-huh. qualities of that state are first and foremost unconditionality. There are no conditions in this state. And it is the state of pure equality. Everything that is in this state of pure potential is equal in its potential to manifest. And Everything in this state is free. It is the ultimate of freedom, and at the same time, it is the ultimate of unity because it is at one with everything. And Mm -hmm. it is the ultimate and original state of acceptance. So pure Mm -hmm. love, that from which we originate, is unconditional, equal, free, unified acceptance. And so until Mm -hmm. we really commit to being that field and and offering that state to the world, we're not really offering love. We're offering good intentions and kindness and compassion, but that's not the same thing as an ultimate state of pure love. And this Mm -hmm. is where we're heading to now, that people are realizing, this is why we see equality becoming so much more of an issue in our world, discussions Mm -hmm. of unconditionality, discussions of unity, and creating a sense of freedom for people. And the ultimate state of acceptance is right in the present moment. And so until mm-hmm. we realize that we're heading for this full state of pure love, we're just kind of inching towards there. We're not there yet. But I, I think this is a very important thing for people be, to be discussing, not just saying love and the use of it uh, in general, but actually looking at what they're doing to offer as love. Mhm. So true. So so true. What you said is is exactly what uh, love is. It's it's unconditional. It is so. That's you know what. When I was saying as a child, uh, things didn't ring true to me because you're telling they were telling me God is unconditional love. But if you don't do this, you're gonna burn forever. I'm like, exactly, uh, right. so I, add, don't that. <laughs> I, I don't understand that unconditional love, you know. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, so, no, exactly, you're, you're, what you said is so right on. Unconditional love is exactly that, just pure, unconditional. It has no conditional conditions. So as a small child, you know, you're taught that God is unconditional love, but if you're bad, you're going to. You're going to burn forever. Uh, so. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I talked about in my book about um, when I was a child, I could hear Jesus in my heart. I knew Jesus in my heart very clearly. And I mm. didn't understand why other people 
couldn't hear that as well. And I was really confused why people would go to church to learn about Jesus when he was just right in their heart. I really didn't understand it. And then I would hear all these people coming out of church being so judgmental about everything. And then they were talking about sin and all of this. And I'm like, who, are the, who is this Jesus that they're meeting in church? Because it doesn't sound like the guy that I know in my heart. It was right. really confusing for me. And the biggest thing was the judgment. And yeah. Constantly. I was so, this is why I was like, I had no interest in any kind of religion because that didn't make any sense to me as a kid. Yes, and I, you know, I, I'm hearing that because I've been listening to quite a few interviews, and I hear a lot of spiritual people say that as a ch- as a child, that what they were being taught in church just never rang true for them. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, because you know, children actually are closer to the divine because they still haven't been conditioned, you know, fully conditioned out of the of their divinity <laughs> yet. So, yeah, you know uh, what we should do? We should start a movement within the churches so that we set up a child's pulpit next to the adult and we let the child <laughs> give their version of the story, right. whatever it is that day, before the before the pastor gets up there. And then let me right. see what the difference is. I think, yes. that, I think we should start this movement. <laughs> that would be very interesting, very interesting. Cause, I know uh, some kids that could give some really good sermons. Mm, yes, yes. Yes, it's 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 so true that I I do believe that children, um, the younger, you, if you talk to them when they're very young, they they can even remember some of the you know experience of before they came into this existence. So that it's it's so much evidence with um, that has been done with young children who remember past lives. It's so much yeah. evidence that we live more than one life. So, it, and it's interesting that isn't that isn't that the subject of um, what is the book with the little boy? Um, Heaven is for real. Yes. Uh, Colton something. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it's it's pretty. In so many cases, it's irrefutable that they they remember distinctly yes. their past lives. So fascinating. Yes, it is. It's so true. And <clears throat> for me, I like I said, it's just for me, especially now that I've started the show. I want to just follow whatever I feel spirit is leading me in the moment. It's all about being in the now moment and embracing it. But like you said, the truth of, of love is unforgive, unconditional um, forgiveness, unconditional um, love, unconditional uh, acceptance of everyone. So that's why I say I do respect and accept everybody's belief you know whatever they believe um but it's 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 more so just loving them for who they are and i have gotten to the point well, where i don't try to change loving, it's i don't try to ourselves. change anyone yeah it, the, i think that i can tell you having been around so many spiritual people at the nunnery and in the communities up where the dalai lama lives uh-huh. the, uh, what people struggle with so magnificently and so deeply is um, self-love. And so applying Mm. these principles first of whether they offer that state of pure love to themselves is really the, the, the starting point for everybody. Can you, within your own body, within your own energy field, can you offer everything inside of you a state of unconditional, equal, free, unified acceptance? Is everything within you that welcome in that space? And if if we hold a mirror up to that space for most people, the answer for the majority of what they feel would be no. And uh, on my tour, I'm going to be talking about how that is um, keeping us in a state of separation from knowing ourselves as love because there's a very key way that that is um, the key to our suffering and, and it is the key to healing. And uh, mm-hmm. so this is why it's the focus of my tour this year. That's that's so true um, because it does start with self-love. Um, for me, I know that self-love, it has to start from for loving myself because really I'm all there is. I'm creating this reality from within. The outer world mm-hmm. is just a mirror of me. So... Mm-hmm. Um, 
I need I have to first love myself so that love can be reflected back to me. If I don't love right. myself, there's no love to be reflected back to me because we're all right. just mirrors of one another. So it mm-hmm. yeah, so it has to it all comes from within. Matter of fact, I I've had two discussions this week with two different people who are spiritual and are looking for the next step, but they're they're asking the question outside of themselves. They want to yes. know what their next step should be, but they're not going within. And mm-hmm. I, I said to two different people this week that, you know, however you go within, it doesn't have to be meditation. Some people get, you know, inspired by running or whatever. Whatever brings you to connect with your soul within and follow, listen to that guidance because your soul is always guiding you. We just have to quiet our mind and listen to our soul's guidance. Um, but they were both seeking outside of themselves for solutions, and I'm saying, no, we, we have to, to get the right, the answer we really want is within us. So mm-hmm. I, I say that a lot to um, friends and, and uh, colleagues and, and my listeners, that it's all about going within and following that guidance. Because spirit never is not guiding us. <laughs> so, right. so tell us, tell us, Mary, more about your tour and where you're going to be this summer. And I know you're going to be in the yep. Poconos October first. <laughs> I am. I'm delighted, and I yes. I just love that I'm going to be. Thank you for setting that up. I'm going to be in the Poconos on the same day. I'm going to be at the church in the afternoon and in an ashram in the evening. And I just love yes. that. Yes. Yes. Uh, it's going to so be I'm gonna wonderful. Start my- uh, I have a taping on Tuesday with um, a small documentary um, group, and they're doing a documentary series on mysticism and asked me to participate in that. So I'll be doing that in San Francisco on Tuesday. And then on Thursday, I'll be in Mount Shasta. Very happy mm. to be in that very area. And uh, I'll be speaking at the Silk Road Chai Shop. And um, that will kick off my tour that night. And then I'll be in Portland a couple of days after that, Portland, Oregon, and then back down in Santa Rosa for an open circle satsang in um, Sonoma. So that will kick off the West Coast, and then I'm going to come back in um, August. I'll be with my family here. I'm actually, I've just been invited to, um, uh, I'm in talks now to have my book turned into a movie, and uh, so I'm working on producer on the screenplay development and so I'll be doing that in August and then kick off more of the tour in Michigan and then Virginia and New York and uh, probably in Maryland and the Poconos and uh, New Hampshire, Vermont and Maine. Yes. Oh wow, beautiful. So you really you're, yeah. you're it's a true US tour. West Coast <laughs> It is a true US tour and there's really <laughs> yes. interesting um doors that are opening this year, I'm just so thrilled. So it's going to be a great time, and I'm really so excited about what I'm talking about, and I'm very happy to start getting this message out. I think it will be a topic of great discussion coming in the future about um, exactly what love is and um, yes. our treatment of all that we think is not love. So exactly. I'm looking forward to getting that dialogue going here in the, in the U.S. It is so yes, um, I'm so excited for you, and I'm I'm so excited that you are coming to the Poconos. Uh, when I found out you were coming to the U.S., I was like, oh, maybe she can come to the Poconos. And you said that you have always wanted to come to the Poconos. So um, I'm so yes, I'm indeed. so thankful. Yes, indeed, so and then I'll thankful. be heading up to see uh, Don Smallman um, after yes. that, and yes. Don will be hosting me for a couple of events up there. Lovely, lovely John. So oh, I'm John just, is I'm amazing. Very exciting. Yes. Yes, yes it's, it's an exciting time. I just, I feel so much is um, coming. I, I really do feel the shift, yeah. uh, the consciousness shift, and so yeah. much is happening. And this fall, so you're going to be in the U.S. till what, the win- end of October? Yep, uh, the end of October, and I October. think I have a couple of talks lining up in France and probably Germany, so um, oh, okay. I hope to have the start of my European um, tour then as well. Amazing, amazing. Because I feel this year so much is, is happening. <laughs> it's just it's Yeah, it's wonderful. a huge moment, certainly, yeah. Yes. yes, it is. 
It is so wonderful. I thank you so much um, for being my guest. I actually I know that uh, technically we've been on air an hour, but we've kind of we were a little got lost about ten minutes with me rebooting the the uh, right. computer. We got, so, we got it. I appreciate all your work on that. Yeah, it's just and that's the first time that ever happened, and that's so it's. Um, coincidental because you and I were talking about that before yeah. the start of the show. You were saying, you know, you do all this by yourself. And I'm like, yes. I'm thinking to myself, yeah. well, that's a piece of cake. You know, even when, you're, even when you're giving me kudos about doing this all by myself, I'm like, yeah, it's not that hard. I see. Then <laughs> I guess because yeah, I was thinking, ah. <laughs> You got that's why I was like, okay, we'll show you. So that's the first time. It was just the computer totally froze, and that was the first time. And then last week I had a guest not show, and that was the first time. But actually I think all this experience, everything, I say it all the time and I believe it, everything happens in divine, perfect divine timing. So it was all, all so, so wonderful, so wonderful. So thank you so much for being with us this evening, and I will get to meet you in person the 1st of October, and uh, I just, I'm just so honored. I'm honored and blessed. I'm thankful to you and all my guests. Thank Thank you. you. So I will let you get back with your family. I know you're visiting family, and I forget, you're, I want to say Texas right now? Yep, I'm in uh, right outside of Dallas, Texas. Okay, yeah. okay. So yeah. is it warm there? It's quite warm in the Poconos it's today. It's so sweet. Yes, yeah, so we had a <laughs> okay. so it's nice and humid. It's got all of the flavor of Texas. Okay. Well, we didn't yeah. used to have humidity at all. Well, I've been here 25 years, and we didn't used to have any humidity in the Poconos. But the last, I would say, 10 years, now we we have humidity. <laughs> it's something new. I used to actually, the first 15 years I lived here, in the summertime, at, at night, I would have to start a fire. It would be so cold. It would just, wow. yeah, but uh, no more. <laughs> now we have humidity. It has come to the well, Poconos. I'm looking forward to whatever weird weather, I'm looking forward to it. Yes. Well, it will be really nice in October. The trees will be full of color. It will be beautiful that time of the year well thank you so much i so appreciate you being and hanging on to through the technical difficulties and (laughs) we were able at least with the podcast i'm able to edit out the the uh 10 minutes (laughs) of uh, yes i can edit it out for the podcast okay thank you so much you have a great weekend with your family and i'll see you soon Okay, blessing. Bye-bye.